I don't remember where I saw it. It was quite a while ago, but I remember when I was a kid, I saw this, this uh, like a cartoon, like the kind you see in, a, in an editorial paper, like that, like a little black and white cartoon. And it was, it was of two guys that were dressed up like, um, the, what's the guy on the Quaker Oats box? That guy. They're both dressed like that, right? And, and the, one, the one says to the other, he says, you know, sometimes I think that that everyone in the world is a bit off except me and thee. And sometimes I wonder about thee. And I, I'll never forget it. I, I don't know where it was, but I'll never forget that little cartoon. I thought it was pretty funny. And uh, the reason I thought it was funny and I chuckled was because I saw myself in the cartoon. Maybe you see yourself in the cartoon as well. Maybe you're the kind of person like me that, you know, you're prone to think that you alone see things clearly and nobody else does, right? And you wonder, you know, how can people be so blind not to see things the way you see them? You know, the right way, right? <coughs> what do you think of my little guys up there? Pretty cute, eh? By the way, the title, So Happy Together. The reason I titled the, uh, the sermon that was because as I was preparing the sermon, that song by the Turtles in the 60s kept popping up in my head. And so, like, I'm, I'm walking through the church, like, I can't... Yeah, I, I don't even like that song. It's kind of funny. But, yeah, that's the way I think. And I'm probably not alone. There's probably a lot of people in this room that think that way, too. That you're the one that sees things clearly. There was a comedian that once said, he said, you know, it, it's, it's absolute magic when... When you live alone, all your annoying habits seem to disappear, you know, because you don't see them, right? And I'm not trying to alienate, but everyone in this room that's, that's married, you know, you, you know what it's like to put two people in close proximity, two people from different backgrounds, different, uh, you know, different personalities, different genders, different everything. You know, you put them two together and there's bound to be some, you know, some, some iron, iron sharpening iron, you know what I'm talking about? What do you get when you rub iron together? You get heat, right? A little bit of heat, right? And when you take, how many people do you think we have in this room here? I'll say, I don't know, let's say, I don't know. I'll say 80. I'll say 80 people. It doesn't take a statistician, to figure out that when you put that many people together, the chances of a little bit of heat, a little bit of tension, even greater, right? That's what we deal with in church. When you put a bunch of people from different backgrounds and subcultures, age groups, all of that in one room, it can be messy if we're not careful. I want to talk about unity today, okay? I want to talk about unity because in the Word of God, unity is a huge deal. It's a, it's a massive deal. I mean, Jesus, before he went to the cross, he prayed for unity among believers. And in the book of Ephesians, which I heard that Pastor Harvey's going to lead a Bible study on, on the book of Ephesians. That, I know that's going to be great. Ephesians is actually personally my favorite epistle. 
And if you take the book of Ephesians, and if you read it from front to back in one sitting, which I completely recommend you do, because it is a letter after all, if you read it front to back, you're going to come across this theme of unity. It just it stares you in the face. And, and Paul, Paul, the writer of the letter, he, he spends the first three chapters of it you know, expounding and, and arguing that, that God's eternal purpose is to sum up all things in Christ. And he spends, <coughs> he spends a good portion of it, <coughs> sorry, I got a little bit of a cough. <clears throat> he spends a good portion of it, you know, talking about how what Jesus did on the cross was remove the barrier that separated two completely alienated groups, two hostile groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, erasing that barrier and making one, one new man, one new humanity, unity. Not only did Christ reunite humanity with God, but humanity itself was reunited with itself. It's amazing what happened. And in Christ, both groups, Jews and Gentiles, now we have access to the Father. We have access to the Father by one Spirit. And together we're being built into this holy temple, this this dwelling place for the Spirit of God himself. It's amazing. And Paul's, Paul's insights into the mysteries of what Jesus did, it just, they're absolutely mind-blowing. And he spends those, those first three chapters, as he normally does in his letters, just expounding on some incredibly deep theology, some stuff that really makes you think. And then he spends the rest of the letter, thankfully, showing us how to apply it. Now this is how we should think. Now this is how we should live. And he does that in the last three chapters of Ephesians. And he starts it in the passage that we're looking at today, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 1 to 6. <clears throat> he starts this <coughs> excuse me. He starts this passage by urging us, urging us to the TNIV says to, to live a life worthy of, of the gospel, but in the, in the literal Greek, he uses the word walk. That's where we get our, our idea of a Christian walk. He says, walk in such a way. Walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling. What calling? The calling that, that, that God has given us in those first three chapters to be reconciled, to be reunited with God and with the rest of humanity. <clears throat> he, tells us, he tells us in a, in a nutshell live a life worthy of our calling, the calling we've received by relating to one another in ways that preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Okay, first thing, before we even enter this, this unity that we're talking about, you'll notice there, it's the unity of the Spirit. Okay, I want you to know right off the bat, this unity that Paul writes of, we can't create. We can't manufacture it. We can't fake it even. It's of the Spirit. It's a gift from the Spirit. It's one of God's graces. When, 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 when believers are united and focused on God himself, unity just happens because the Spirit is present. 
We're united in Him. It's there. And He tells us, he tells us we need to maintain this unity, not create it, not manufacture it, but maintain it, preserve it, take care of it. That's what Paul urges us to. And he tells us, he tells us that <coughs> to preserve this unity, <coughs> we need to understand how important it really is. We need to understand how important it is, and then we need to practice certain qualities, certain attitudes to preserve it. And then we actually need to put the work into it to preserve it, okay? So let's take a look. At why, why is this unity so important? Why is unity so important? Well, it's so important that Paul suffered for it. Now, Paul starts this passage out by saying, I a prisoner of the Lord, urge you. A prisoner of the Lord. He's sitting in prison right now, writing this letter to the church of Ephesus. And you know what? He was willing to suffer for this message, this message of unity, this message of reconciliation, because he knew it was the truth. He knew it was the truth, and there was nothing that could shake it. He was willing to, you know, we we read of his his being beaten, being persecuted, being chased out of town, and now here, being imprisoned, all for this message. And that's where he found his joy in suffering for Christ. Quite a paradox there. It's so important that Paul suffered for it, but it's also so important that Jesus died for it. Jesus died to reunite us with God and to reunite humanity with itself. In John chapter 17, Jesus was praying. Before he went to the cross, he prayed to the Father. And he prayed for you, and he prayed for me. He said this, he said, My prayer is not for them alone, not for the disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them, get this, that all of them may be one that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. That they may... Jesus prayed for us to be united. And the sad thing is, when we, look at it, when we look at church history, there's a lot of instances where that, the opposite happened. So much division in the body of Christ. It's so sad to see. So many have not obeyed this passage, preserving the unity that the Spirit has given us. <coughs> not only... Is it so important that Jesus died for it? But we're called to it. And Paul said, live a life worthy of the calling. You want to know what God's call on your life is? I know so many people wonder, what is God's call in my life? What is God's call? His call is for you to be united with Him. To be in, in unity with His Spirit and with the body of Christ. That's it. Like Keith Green said, He'll take care of the rest. Join with the Spirit. <clears throat> I had the flu. 
couple weeks ago, and it really did a, did a whopper on my lungs. That's why I'm coughing, so please excuse me about that. <clears throat> okay, it's important. Okay, we got that. It's important. Okay, okay, now what do we do? What do we do? Okay, well, Paul gives us a list of qualities, a list of qualities that preserve unity. Okay, the first one is this. This is so important. The first one is, to preserve unity, we need humility. We need humility. The opposite of pride. And so, so many people have a mis- misunderstanding of what humility really is. You know, some people think, you know, maybe you think of yourself as, as, as a piece of dirt or a worm in the dirt. You know, just something lower than, than human life. But that's not it. That's not it. Because I'll tell you something. You... Everyone here is important. You are important. But get this, you're not important because of who you are or anything that you've done. That's not why you're important. You're important because of who He is. Because what He has done. That's why you're important. When we get a better understanding of that, that's where humility comes from. There was a... There still is a radio host in Detroit. He would end his show by saying this. I remember clear as day. He would say, every day, if you have breath in your lungs, thank the Lord, because he's the one that put it there. If you understand that, you understand humility. It's not, by, it's not anything we've done, who we are, but it's who he is, what he's done. <coughs> Excuse me. Not only humility that we need, we also need this. We need gentleness. And here's another word that we misunderstand because, you know, if you're honest, it it sounds kind of wimpy, doesn't it? It does. It sounds like we need to be wimps. That's That's how we're united in each other. Be a bunch of little wimpy guys. That's what it sounds like, but that's that's not it either. Okay, I want you to think of like this. Think of a puppy, okay? Now, think of a puppy, a puppy trying to start a fight with a big old dog, okay? A big old dog that, that as the puppy is, is nipping on his ear, is biting his tail, is trying to get the, the old dog riled up, at any second, that old dog could stop that puppy just with one chomp. You know? End of the puppy, right? But he doesn't do it. Think of gentleness as this. It's power, but it's power under control. Okay, some, someone once told me that it's like, it's like Superman, right? The man of steel. Can fly around, can stop bullets, can, you know, stop bullets but dodge the gun. But he dresses up as Clark Kent, and he's just a normal guy. But he's the same guy. He could still bend a pipe like nothing. He could still stop bullets. He's still got x-ray vision. But he's just Clark Kent. His power is under control. That's the way we need to be with each other. Especially when we, we have conflict with one another. You know, you, you're, you're boiling up inside. You've got, you've got something to say. Don't say it like, don't say it in that in that mood 
save it, pray about it, then share in peace. Like, like so wisely, Pastor Harvey instructed us when, uh, when, when Pastor Jim handed in his resignation. You know, save it, pray about it, then go talk in gentleness. Okay, not only do we need gentleness, but we need this as well. We need patience. We absolutely need patience. Because Here, turn to the person next to you and tell them, you know what? You're messed up. Okay. If nobody told you you're messed up, guess what? You're still messed up, okay? You know why? Because you're human. You're human. Do you know how much patience God shows us? We're the body of Christ. This is what we're called to. Christ is our head. Hey, think of this. You know in an amusement park, you see those, those funny caricature bodies, and you put your head in. You know, the head usually doesn't match the body, especially, especially if Dale Weidman puts his head behind a bikini <laughs> girl, you know. The, the head doesn't match the body, but when it comes to the church, the head should match the body. Jesus Christ is our head. God shows us patience. We should show one another patience as well. As I've said before, People are people, and they're going to do people things. We're messed up. (laughs) Not only do we need patience, but we need this as well, and this is along the same lines. We need tolerant love. Okay, we need tolerant love, but let me explain that. I don't mean tolerance as in, you know, the the way us Canadians uh, define tolerance. Because the way we are, Generally, is like, you're okay, I'm okay, you do your thing, I'll do mine. You know? We'll be fine as long as we don't talk politics or religion or anything like that. That's not the tolerance I'm talking about. This tolerant love is... Yeah, there are differences between us, and I will put up with them. But when it comes to certain things, especially sin, when you see sin in someone's life, we need to speak. We need to speak into their lives. If you hear gossip going on in this church, you need to speak, but do it in love. Do it in love. Do it with gentleness. If someone's backsliding, you know, going back to their old ways, reach out to them. Do it in love. That's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> okay, so those are the qualities the qualities that we need to exercise, to practice for unity. No, we actually have to do it. Okay? We actually have to exert the effort because there's a lot of effort to be done. There's a reason Paul says, make every effort because you need to make every effort. Everything you have needs to go into this to maintain the unity of the Spirit. We need to be diligent. We need to maintain this unity. Now, we all have work to do. If you read the rest of this chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, you'll see a list, a list of things that, you know, that, that we do in the church. And the sad thing about our North American, our North American culture is 
churches, you know, we tend to, to pay someone to do it. But the fact of the matter is, we have work to do. Not just the hired staff. We are the body of Christ. We have the work to do. Now, I just want to take this last couple minutes and I want to share something from my heart okay if you're a visitor here today I I apologize if you feel out of place but I really kind of want to take care of some family business right now because well think about it like this about 10 years ago you know exactly 10 years ago a decade ago there was one topic of conversation that you, you would hear no matter what water cooler, no matter what diner, no matter what coffee shop, whatever you were in. Everybody was talking about how uh, on December 31st, you know, something's going to happen. And we weren't sure what it was. Because somebody started this rumor that you know, there's a glitch in the computer systems and, 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 and at midnight, you know, oh, everything's going to break loose and chaos will ensue. Remember that? And there were people that they stocked their basements with bottled water and canned goods and survival gear because they didn't know. They didn't know. And then there were others, yeah, they were like, you know what, I don't think anything's going to happen. And they just went on as, as normal. Well, this December 31st, we've kind of got our own little crisis, don't we? We're dealing with our own thing as a family here. Now, this December 31st, We'll be without a senior pastor. And I know some people here have, have been through that before. And they have faith and confidence in God. This is God's church. He's led us and He will lead us. I completely agree. But you know what? There are others in this room who haven't been through that. They haven't experienced that before. But let me share with you something that that I told Leslie near, I think it was in the beginning of the summer. We were driving home on Stilva Road. We're stopped at the light at Leslie Street. And I said to her, I said, you know what, babe? Because I call her babe. I said, you know what, babe? I just have this, this feeling. I, I can't explain it. I believe it's from God. But I have this feeling that within the next, I don't know, two years or so, God is going to pour out his blessing on this church. I just have this intense feeling that I, I can't explain. But it's there. And she looked, she looked right at me and said, I feel the exact same way. This is God's church. This is God's church. And what does it mean to be God's church? It means this, to be united Sure, we won't have a senior pastor for a little while. Sure, you know, the pulpit may revolve for a little while. But we will be one in the Spirit. But it's going to take some work. It's going to take some work to maintain that unity. Again, if you're a visitor, if this makes you feel awkward, please forgive me, but a wise man once told me, he said, He said, there's too many people that treat the church like a hotel rather than a home. 
I agree with that. I'm going to ask everyone here that calls this their home, that calls this their family, to stand right now. I'm going to ask you, again, this may feel awkward, but would you take the hand of the person next to you? Physically, right now, we are united. This is a symbol of what is in the spiritual right now. We are united. In Christ, we are one. I want you to repeat after me, okay? Humility. Humility. Gentleness. Gentleness. Patience. Patience. Love. Say love. love. In, Christ, In Christ, we are one. We are one. In, Christ, In Christ, we are one. Let's pray together. God, you are great. You are glorious. You are one. Lord, and your plan that, that was before the foundations of the world is that we would be one with you and that we would be one with each other. That we would be a body. Lord, how mysterious that is, Lord. Lord, give us a revelation of what that truly means. And Lord, help us to be humble with one another. To put our own needs aside and lift others up. Lord, to be gentle in dealing with each other, especially in these coming months. These, these months that are really foggy when we look ahead. Lord, help us to be patient with one another. Help us to display your love. And let us know in the heart of our hearts that in you we are one. And in Jesus' name, everyone here said, By the grace of God, go in peace. You're dismissed.